You are listening to a message from Parkway Church in Kurana. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you as you listen. If you'd like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, parkway-church.com. Are you good this morning? All right. People on the sides are good. What about you folk in the middle? Are you good in the middle? I just, before we get to that, uh, we're going to be talking about trusting God in the delay, trusting God when he doesn't answer prayers the way that we wanted him to, and we're going to build a foundation on that. Uh, I made the statement this morning that earth reflects heaven the most when we're in worship and when we're in praise, and uh, I've been finding my own prayer life transformed. Uh, I, I don't want to put any time, but... If I would say that more than 50% of my prayer and devotional and quiet time with the Lord now is spent in just worship and adoration. And I'm finding that there is a peace and there's a joy and there's a serenity. And there is the Holy Spirit is able to speak to me much more clearly. Not that he's speaking more clearly, but I'm able to receive more clearly simply because of the fact that I am in a place of adoration and in a place of worship. Listen, the word is eternal. Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away. His word will never pass away. I read the word. I'm, I've been taking my praise uh, one of the ways I'm trying to memorize scripture more is that when I read something, I go back and I base my worship on what I've read. And, uh, but folks, when we go to heaven, we are going to spend an eternity adoring Jesus and declaring the holiness of God and the worthiness of God. And I'm just finding that as I start my prayer time uh, and my time with the Lord, I read a chapter or two of the word and then I just, I just let praise flow. I was out in the, in the cafe this week and... Uh, and I just found I, I had allotted about an hour of prayer, and I, and I spent about 45 minutes just, just in adoration and praying in the Spirit and adoring Him. Spent the last 10 minutes just praying for needs. And after that 10 minutes was up, I just felt like it's being dealt with. And so honestly, there, there is a power and an authority of heaven's agenda and heaven's presence that comes to earth when we simply just sometimes put aside our own prayer needs and agendas and just adore Him. So that's all free this morning, but it's good. Amen? Okay, so trusting God. John chapter 11, let's look at the first three verses. Uh, verses 1 through 3. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Of course, Jesus loved Lazarus. Uh, Jesus is love. Love isn't something that God does. Love is something that God is. So therefore, he can't help but love because it's who he is. That's why God created people, because he needed to have an expression. He wanted to have an expression of that love. And so, so Jesus is love. But I love the fact that, that when Jesus walked on this earth, those who encountered him, those who had a relationship with him, he was able to relate to them in such a unique way that each one would have secretly said, I'm his favorite. 
I'm the one he loves. In fact, John, the writer of, of this gospel that we're in, often refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. And at the very end, he refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. And by the way, he's the guy that wrote this letter. John would have secretly thought that he was Jesus' favorite, but I'm sure that most of the apostles had already passed or had been martyred by the time John wrote this. But I'm sure if they could have read it, Peter or Bartholomew or any of them would have said, yeah, okay, John. That's because you got to write it, but I was his favorite. I just love the fact that Jesus knows us so intimately. He knows, the Bible says, that the amount of hairs we have on our head. He knows everything about us so intimately. And he loves our uniqueness because he made our uniqueness that he all loves us as if we're his favorites. See, I have the capacity to love many people. I have the capacity to, to love a few people deeply. And I have the capacity to have a few favorites, but I don't have a capacity to love everybody that I love in my life as my favorite. My older kids will tell you that Seth's my favorite. Seth will tell you that he's my favorite. But I don't really have favorites. I love all three of my children. I love all three of my children uniquely. And in many ways, they're all my, Mitch is my favorite because he was my firstborn. Aiden's my favorite because she's my, I always wanted a daughter. I was 14, 15 years old, wasn't sure if I really wanted to get married, but I knew I wanted a daughter because I grew up with all brothers. So she's my daughter. She's my favorite because she's my daughter. And Seth is my favorite just because, well, I mean, he's Seth. What more do I have to say, right? So, yeah. So, but, but here's the thing about Jesus, and I'm, I'm not saying this to be silly, but I want us to get this. You're his favorite. He loves you. You're his favorite. Do you know why? Because he sees you so uniquely. He looks down on you, Steve, and, he's, and he says, You're my, you are my special creation because I made you so differently and so unique from everyone else on this planet. You're my favorite. But he's able to do that with all of us. So the foundation of what we're building today has to be built on the fact that Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus loved this family. So everything that follows, John put it in there. John, John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, didn't just go, oh yeah, Jesus liked this family. Jesus loved this family. I just thought I'd add that. The Holy Spirit said, let the readers know Jesus loved this family. And we got to keep that in context of everything that follows. And so as we walk out of this place today, whatever the context is that you're leaving today, please know Jesus loves you. I know it sounds almost glib saying it because it's something the world, but Jesus, God the Father is a good Father and he loves you. You are his favorite. Say, tap yourself. Say, I'm his favorite. Now tap your spouse and go, seriously, I'm his favorite. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not going to do that? No? Okay. All right. Faith for miracles and breakthrough comes from belief in who Jesus is and in his character and in his intentions. So I want to make a difference today. Faith is aware of the ability of God. Faith is aware of what God can do. But belief is birthed in the character of God, who God is. Knowing that he will, because he cannot be untrue to himself, is the foundation of our lives. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. King James is the more familiar one even to me. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Romans 4.17 says, God is the one who calls those things that aren't as if they were. 
He already declares them. So let me just say this. If we're, if we're people of great faith, then faith is able to take what isn't. It's able to take things out of the invisible realm, the realm of our hopes, the realms of our dreams, the realms of that as our lives line up with the purposes of God, there are, there are promises that haven't yet come in our lives that we're able to claim and they become substance. So in other words, when, when someone's laying sick, uh, when, when someone's laying sick, faith is able to put their confidence in what Jesus did and in the ability of God, and they're able to say, uh, t- take it from that unseen realm and be able to see healing, the substance of healing come in that situation. If we have a need in our lives, if there's a provision, if, 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 the, if the end of the month has come and we don't have enough finances, when Jackie and I started out in ministry, we had faith to believe uh, that we hope that we can pay these bills, so we need faith to become the substance, which was money, to pay those bills and God came through every time so that's what faith does does that make sense faith is only sustained however through hard times or delays when our belief in Jesus love for us in his faithfulness and his goodness and his character towards us is firm so we're going to define belief and see how belief and faith work together so that we can trust God in all things and in every situation and I'm starting to understand in my life that I've been given not just uh, 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 one provision, but I've been given two provisions for the things that I face in my life. I've been given faith, and I've been given belief. I've been given both, and both work together so that I can see the manifest glory of God in my situations. John 1, 12, we're going to go back there for a sec. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So, to believe I'm going to define it as is to be fully persuaded, to be so convinced in the character and in the promises and goodness of God that we fully rely and trust and throw ourselves on him. We take him at his word to be absolutely, unequivocally true every time. That's what belief is. So because I absolutely have confidence in who God is, that he's not just faithful to me because he is faithful. It's who he is. That he doesn't just love me, but he's loving. That he doesn't just heal me, but he's healer. That he doesn't just provide, his name is provider because he is provider. That's where my belief is birthed out of. And so if I believe that about God, and if I believe that God can't help but be faithful, God can't help but love me, God can't help but provide, God can't help but heal me because it's who he is, I just throw myself on God in every situation. And my faith in what God can do is birthed out of my trust in his character. It's to be so convinced that his intentions towards us are always based on loving us. And he'll always be faithful to that end, no matter what's going on around us. Then I can trust him. So faith and belief working together equal trust in my life, no matter what's going on around me. Okay, you still with me? If you watch the video I posted, those high-quality videos that I post, I noticed I was wearing the same sweatshirt in two. I want you to know I've worn that sweatshirt twice this month, but both times happened to make a video so because it was my day off both times I have my how many have your day off clothes mine are pajamas I only wear them to Walmart and home everywhere else I don't wear them out in public so back to John 1 12 our rights as believers he gave the right our rights as believers come by our position as children and we become children by receiving Jesus So 
when I receive Jesus as my Savior, my status changes. My status changes from being at enmity with God to being a friend with God. My status changes from being on the outside to being a child of God. So when I receive Jesus, my status changes. So it says, to, to all who received him, he gave the right to become children. To all who believed in him. So when I receive Jesus, my status changes. I'm given my measure of faith. But it's my belief that is able to enact and, 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 and claim my new status change. If, if, if I were to adopt a child, for instance, and bring that child into my home, how many of you know their status has changed? They're no longer a visitor in my home. They're my child. But they have to believe that I love them, that I've adopted them, and that they're my child equal with now I've got four favorite children. They have to believe that in their hearts in order for them to start receiving what they have as a child, their rights as a child. If they come to me every day for the next two, three years and go, could I please have something out of the fridge? I'm hungry. I'm going to say, you're my kid. Do what my other kids did. Go get it. But they have to believe that in order to enact it. Make sense? So belief sometimes, belief sometimes is what allows us to obtain that which we have as rights as children. So it's our belief that releases that. We won't obtain what we don't believe or trust the Lord for. So faith is knowing that God can, works together with belief, knowing and trusting his character to do what is motivated for us in love. And that working together builds the foundation of trust. Okay? I told you in the video that we were going to have to work at this this morning because this is more teaching, but I think it's important teaching. So back to John 11, the one you love is sick. Let's go on in verses 4 to 6. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. It's a declaration right there of God's will, God's purposes, and God's intentions. This will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, verse 5. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. We're going to look at that in a minute. First thing we see is Jesus made a prophetic declaration. Jesus said, I don't do anything and I don't say anything on my own. I only say what I hear my father speak. Jesus as a man, I, I know that we, we often look at Jesus as God incarnate, but Jesus was a man, fully yielded to the Holy Spirit. So he only did what the Holy Spirit told him to do. And the Holy Spirit only told him to do what was the Father's will. So when Jesus declared, this will not end in death, Jesus was making a prophetic declaration based on the will of God. Okay? How many of you know that the Word of God is the will of God? How many of you know that the Word of God is the will of God? Okay. So any declaration that we make, any promise that we claim, has to come from the Word of God but if it comes from the word of God, it's already been established as God's will, and we can just proclaim it and believe it. Pastor Mitch spoke about this last week a little bit in our Easter service. One time Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake. Small thing, let's go over there. But everything Jesus said, he said, he said, I only say what the Father tells me to say. So Jesus in saying, go to the other side, meant the Father said, you need to go to the other side. So Jesus Totally rested in that. He's asleep in the boat. Why? Because he said, the father said, I got to go there. That's where I'm going to end up. Good night. And the disciples are going crazy. They're fussing. They're worried because they're not going to get to the other side. Because they still don't understand that if God said it, God declared it, it will happen. Uh, what about when Jesus had to feed the 5,000 people, men plus women and children? 
And the disciples come. What did Jesus declare? He said, you give them something to eat. So Jesus knew that God the Father's will was that these people would eat and that the disciples were the ones that were to feed them. So Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And the disciples are like, all we have is a couple of sardines and five little rolls. What are we going to do with that? You know what? The size of the crowd and the smallness of what was offered didn't even phase Jesus. Jesus didn't go, oh, okay, Lord, <laughs> you told me to feed them. There's like 30,000, 40,000 people here, and this is all I got? Jesus said, no, God told me to tell my disciples to feed them, so my disciples are going to feed them, and if this is what I have, then the Holy Spirit's going to have to do something with it. That's why Jesus always spoke with utter confidence because he knew that there was something stronger than our circumstances. It was the word of God. And faith is the substance of what was promised. Faith and obedience became the substance that multiplied the food that fed what was promised. Faith was able to take what is not enough food to feed many people and make it substantial enough for tens of thousands to have their fill. That's what faith does. Faith says, feed these people. And faith says, I, I, will, I will make that the substance of what I've told you to do. That's pretty powerful. So belief is trusting and throwing yourself unreservedly in obedience to the one who makes the promise, makes the declaration, or is leading your steps in faith. So verse 4, there's a declaration. This will not end in death. Verse 5, there's a declaration. John reiterates, Jesus loved Mary and Martha. Oh, and by the way, just to remind you, he loves Lazarus. Then it says, yet. Some versions say, so... Some versions say, yet, Jesus delayed two days. So I need to point this out. This is what really struck me. This is probably th that, that verse right there is what I think the Holy Spirit prompted me and said, you need to speak on this. Jesus loved Mary and Martha. He loved this family. Therefore, you can take that conjunctive word, yet or so, and say, therefore. Jesus loved this family. Therefore, he delayed two days. I'll be honest with you, I didn't like that when I read it. That's why I'm speaking this today. Jesus loved this family. Therefore, he delayed. He was only about a day away, a day and a half away. Jesus had declared, this will not end in death. See, it's in the delay that our faith is tested. And if God delays or doesn't answer the way we thought he would, or even like, it's our trust in him and our belief in his goodness and love for us that keeps us steadfast in faith. So, if there's a declaration made according to the will of God and the word of God, and if we've claimed it in faith, and if we've believed it in faith, and yet we don't see it happening, and there's a delay, and if it's not quite going the way that we thought, then we need to go back to the foundation of, he loves me, therefore there's a reason for this. It's not incidental. It's not like Jesus loved this family, but uh, he had no transportation. <laughs> Jesus loved this family, but he got lost on the way. It says Jesus loved this family, therefore he delayed. I'm going to be honest with you. My faith is usually in a hurry. I don't know if that's theological, but my faith is usually in a hurry. If I pray in faith and it doesn't happen in 30 seconds, my faith has me scratching my head going, okay, what did I do wrong? See, this will not end in death. And I, and I wrote this in this morning. Delays, we see delays as setbacks. God sees delays as setups. Okay, Jim got that. The rest of you didn't. Because I wrote that in this morning, so I took extra time to make sure it was in there. 
We see delays as setbacks. God sees delays as setups. And uh, I think I wrote it more for me than probably you. See, healing Lazarus would have been great. Raising Lazarus from the dead would have displayed even greater glory. Waiting until he's starting to decay and rigor mortis is set in, then prophesy over Lazarus' rotting body, that will put Jesus' glory, his resurrection, and life on display. Right? There's a difference. See, faith will recognize his power to raise the dead. Belief will see Jesus as the resurrection and life. And as I said, when, when I stand in faith alone, I'm often in a hurry. <laughs> Jesus said this will not end in death. Faith needs to hear a declaration. We have to speak in faith the things that we hope for that are in line with the word of God. We have to speak those things out. We have to make a declaration. Not knowing the promises of God then gives our faith nothing to grab onto. That's why we have to be in the word. You can claim all you want, you know, a, a, a blue car with all these things and this and that and wonder why it doesn't happen. My point is that our faith has to be focused on what the Word of God says we can claim. And reading the Word of God, knowing the Word of God, having it in our hearts gives our faith something to grab onto and something to aim for. It's, it's what the substance is birthed out of is the Word of God. There's a woman who was sick for 12 years in Mark 5.35, and she reaches out and touches the hem of Jesus' garment. And Jesus stops and says, whoa, someone touched me. Jesus isn't even aware of the healing that, that took place until after it took place. And this is what? He turns around and he makes a statement to her. He says, your faith has healed you. And we're so quick in the church to go, oh, wait, no, it's Jesus that does the healing. <laughs> Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Of course it was the Holy Spirit in Jesus released through him that healed her. Because you can sit and walk around all day and say you're healed, but it's the object of your faith. But her faith was in Jesus enough that she touches him. Her faith draws out power from Jesus. And the Lord goes, your faith has healed you. It's like Jesus was saying, good on you, lady. Wow, you got her done and I didn't even know. So faith is so important, but we've got to know the word of God to give faith something to believe for. But if faith stands alone without belief, it can have a hard time sustaining. So faith comes by the word. Belief comes through revelation and knowing the Lord. As we journey with him, as we, as we are in relationship with him, as we reflect and think back to his faithfulness and goodness and the miracles of the past and the things he's come through, our belief in who God is is strengthened alongside our faith so that we can trust him in every situation. So belief is trust. Belief will work to sustain faith during a delay or when we don't understand. So let's look at verses 11. We're going to jump through 15. After he had said this, Jesus went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. <laughs> Jesus has been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought, he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Do you notice Jesus didn't say, but I'm glad I wasn't there for your faith. They already had faith in Jesus. But he says, so that you can believe. Here's why. They'd already seen Jesus raise the dead. They'd already seen Jesus heal the sick. But Jesus was going to say, you're going to transition from just having faith in what I can do 
to faith in me because there's a difference between believing that Jesus can heal and raise the dead and a belief that Jesus is the resurrection and the life and that he will ultimately conquer death because one day, guess what? We're not going to be healed. One day we are going to die. And it would be a shame for God, my faith to believe that God can heal me every time and yet when I'm on death's door, I'm scared to death because I don't believe he is the resurrection and the life and he is going to take me to glory and he's got it all under control. See, faith will see results, but belief means that I have my belief in God. So not just Jesus can raise the dead, he is resurrection life. And that was a lesson these folks were about to learn. So, when we are in a delay period of believing and trusting. We don't usually see the reasons and purposes God would have in the delay. Scripture declares Jesus loved this family. The Lord declares, I'm glad for the delay because delay always means a greater revelation of God's power. It's always for our benefit even when we can't see it. It's not seeing the reasons why Jesus delayed but still trusting and still believing that reveals the depth of our character and our faith. I think sometimes uh, the Lord doesn't give us instant answers because he is, now listen, he is as concerned about the breakthrough as he is our character in that circumstance. I hate character growth. Come on, say it with me. Say, I hate character growth. See, we're just being honest this morning. But sometimes Jesus says, Jay, you would avoid character growth at all costs, but I'm going to have to bring a delay because I need you to see your belief and your trust in me grow. And not just that. I can be in faith and still not be in peace. I know people say you can't, but I can, I can have this constant ongoing battle where I'm like, I have faith in you, Jesus, but I need peace. I read today in, in Isaiah where it says that, uh, that he will keep in perfect peace. Say that with me, perfect peace. Like perfect peace. Those whose minds are steadfast. Those whose minds are steadfast in the Lord. And so there's times that I am in faith, but I'm not in perfect peace. And it's a constant, constant battle. But what the delay does, what God does in the delays is God builds my character and my belief in him so that when I, next time I go through a circumstance, I don't need to say I'm in faith and then be rotting everybody around me and treat everybody like dirt because I'm under just so much stress. Come on, friends, that's half the church. I'm in faith, but I'm in so much stress, everybody around me is avoiding me because they know that I'm just, I, I'm just so stressed out about this situation and the delay. Uh, is that faith? I don't know, but God seems to come through sometimes, but in the delay, he's building our character. That's what he's doing. So, right, let's skip a few things here. Uh, Martha's faith and belief were strengthened in times when faith wasn't needed. She had spent time hosting the Lord. She'd spent time entertaining the Lord. By the way, that's why worship is so important. When we're in worship, we're entertaining the presence of the Lord. When I entertain people in my house, I get things ready. I get things in order. I don't just say, yeah, if you've got to go to the bathroom, the floor will be wet. There'll be towels there. The kids have got, you know, came out of the shower. It's you clean it up so you can entertain, you can host, and you can have, have them in your house. And when we prepare our lives to entertain and worship the presence of the Lord, and we start to walk with him every day, we get to know him when our faith isn't needed. So that when our faith is needed, our belief in him has already been strengthened. And so the Lord comes, verse 23, Jesus said to, to Mary and Martha, sorry, in verse 23, he says, your brother will rise again. And what does she, what does she respond in verse 33? 
Okay, no, I want to go back for a sec. Uh, Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Or, or, or Martha says to him, sorry, I'm just going to go back. Martha says to him, uh, I, I believe, Lord, even now, even now the Father will give you what you ask for. And I got thinking about the power of that statement. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And she says, you know, I know he'll rise at the resurrection. And Jesus reveals, I am the resurrection and the life. But Martha makes this incredible statement. She says, even now, I know God will give you what you ask. Even now. Her brother's been dead four days. She's going to declare in just a few minutes, Lord, he's starting to rot. But even now. And I think that there's people here this morning who are in the even now moment that that you're saying, Lord, for all intents and purposes, this situation's gone from bad to worse to worser, but even now. So we're going to address that in a minute. In the delay, God will always speak assurance. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. So even in the delay, God will find ways to break into your heart and life, bring his word and bring his purposes. Now let's read verses 33. When Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? We, we looked at this a little bit in our Wednesday night Bible study, but that word that Jesus was deeply troubled in his spirit the only direct translation there is in the Greek into English would be this. It was like a horse that's stomping and snorting and breathing out of its mouth because it's in a state of agitation. So Jesus is angry. Jesus in his spirit is upset. And, and just to cut to the chase, I believe he was looking at what the enemy death has done and the destruction of what death has done in people's lives and the misery that it brings that he got angry. He wasn't angry at the people. He wasn't angry at Lazarus. He was angry about the state of humanity. And he was saying, I am so angry at the brokenness of this world and what sin and death and the devil does to people's lives. And then he says, bring me to the graveside. So when you and I are in a situation of delay, when you and I are in a situation where God hasn't answered the way that we thought or when we thought, are we in a place where we absolutely believe that God loves us so much that when he sees what is robbing us of his promises, when he sees the things that are coming against the promises in, in, in our lives, God is so absolutely committed to us that he's standing there going like, I am angry at what's robbing my children of what is rightfully theirs. Do we see healing or provision or relationships restored or our prodigals coming back to the Lord or our spouse coming to know the Lord? Whatever it is, do we see those things as we've got to twist God's arm? I have faith, God. Do you see my faith? I'm enacting my faith. I'm speaking faith. God, please do it. Listen, that's faith without belief in the character of God. But Jesus looked around him. He looked at these people weeping over Lazarus. And Jesus got angry and indignant. And he was about to say, no more. And he was about to go to the cross in a week to ultimately and finally say, it is finished, no more. So we have to believe that with all of our hearts. So uh, belief says that God will work together for the good for our breakthrough and his glory. Belief is Martha saying, I know that even now 
in this situation beyond all hope, I know that you can. See, the Jews believed. This is why Jesus delayed. The Jews had a commonly taught belief from the time they were infants up through that when a person died, uh, their spirit waited around three days. And if they weren't resurrected, if, if, if their opportunity didn't come, if God didn't speak and life couldn't come back in, then on the, at the end of the third day, it was over. By three days, it was done. The spirit would go to the place of waiting, the place of paradise or hell, whatever they believed about the person, and the body, the body was finally vacated. That's what they believed. That was their theology. Jesus delayed four days. And Jesus delayed four days because according to Jewish belief, that the body has been vacated for 24 hours now, and, and Lazarus is off in that place of waiting, that place they called paradise, uh, lower or upper Sheol. So when Jesus came and declared, I am the resurrection and the life, by the way, it wasn't just Jesus that raised the dead and healed the sick. God had been doing that all through the history of his people. People had been raised from the dead before. Other, other people, th think of the Old Testament, read the prophets. The prophets raised the dead. So Jesus raising the dead just made him a really great prophet. Jesus declaring, I'm the resurrection and the life, walking up to a tomb where the guy's spirit, according to their belief, had vacated and now was in the nether regions. And Jesus saying, Lazarus, get up. And the Jews would have known that Jesus would have had to have had authority to call him from that place of the dead, that he would have to have spoken uh, into the decaying cells and the collapsed organs and the, and the rigor mortis that has come into that body. And it wasn't just Jesus raising the dead. They'd seen that. But Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and life. Hey, Lazarus, I need your spirit to come out of the place of the dead and I need you to come into this body, and I need every cell to be regenerated because I am the authority, because I am God. And that's the kind of revelation that delays bring to us if we just stay in faith and continue to believe even when things aren't working out the way we do. Yeah, some of you understand what good preaching this is. That's good. Verse 38, Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. I like how she says, even now God will give you what you want. And Jesus says, okay, roll away the stone. No, Lord, no. <laughs> It'll make everybody sick. <laughs> so, by this time there's a bad odor for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Did you notice Jesus didn't pray for Lazarus' healing? Lord, I just pray for healing. He was dead. You don't pray for healing when someone's dead. Like, you just don't do it. Jesus prophetically called forth. Listen, what did Jesus say at the beginning? Because Jesus, in perfect submission to the will of the Father, the Father said to him, Son, it's not going to end in death. 
It ended in death, but Jesus knew that there's a word that is greater than even death, and that's the word of God, the eternal word of God, the will of God. So Jesus didn't come to the tomb and say, Father, I know that you always hear me, and I know that I'm just saying it for them, so Father, please heal them. Please regenerate the cells. Please let those collapse, heart and lungs. Please let the blood start to flow, and oh, please, Father, ask him kindly if he'd come from the nether regions back into his body. Jesus prophetically speaks. Think about this. He prophetically speaks to a dead man. Lazarus is dead, and Jesus says to the dead man, get up and come out. Because Jesus knew you don't have to negotiate, and you don't even have to ask what is God's will. You just declare what God's will is, and you release God's will because we've been given a mouth. Life and death is in our mouth. So when we know the will of God, we speak it. Amen? Romans 4.17 says, The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Jesus is shouting at a corpse. It's like Ezekiel prophesying to dry bones. It's like Elijah saying, Go get your umbrella, king, and get your chariot, because rain's coming. And they're looking up in the sky going, I don't see rain. And Elijah's going, But it's coming, because the Lord told me it's coming, and there's a more sure word than the fact there's no clouds in the sky. And so if you have prodigals in your life, they've been prophesied over. God has spoken the promises of his word over, that if you raise them to know him, it will not return void then you can ask God, yes, you can release the Holy Spirit, but you can prophesy and you can say this prodigal, their dead spirit, life is coming, Jesus is coming, because his word over your life is even more certain and more sure than how you're living right now. With my, I came and said to the prayer team, I said, both my knees hurt now because when I said God healed me of this one, immediately pain came. And I know some of you don't believe that, that's fine, but I believe we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And I believe there's an enemy that's very much alive. And he's so deceitful in our life. He robs us of the things that God claims. And we build all kinds of things around it. Oh, well, I guess I just, it's because of this, it's because of that. And the enemy's standing there in the background going, here's the, here's the thing. I have robbed you from what God promised and you're just going to accept it. So, in the delay, we have to stay in the word. Because God's word always trumps any sense of the reality of our condition. Why would Jesus call to a corpse as if it were alive? Because his word had already gone forth. This shall not end in dead. And Jesus had, I mean, honestly, he was Jesus. But I know if it was me because of where I'm at, I would have said, oh God, if it's your will. These people put all that effort into rolling that stone away and it does stink out here, Lord. Like it's pretty bad. So Father, if it be thy will, let life come into this corpse. He doesn't do that. He just says, God spoke to me. God said it. I know the character of my Father. I know the voice of the Holy Spirit. He is here to set me up, not let me down. So Lazarus, come out even while he's dead. That's all it took. He didn't pray a long prayer. Did you notice? The prayer was for everyone else. The long prayer was for everybody else. He's going, Father, just so that they know that I am the red, just so that they get this. Give them time to focus their attention. But when he speaks to Lazarus, he only says a few words, Lazarus, get up and come out. So... The delays are when our character is built. The delays are the time when God reveals to us against all reason and against all odds that our belief in him is never misguided. The delays are an opportunity for greater revelation, greater glory, and greater breakthrough. We have to remain in trust. And trust is birthed both through faith, knowing that God can, and belief, knowing God will, because he is always faithful. He's always loving. He is always true to himself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own experience, your own understanding. So if the worship team can come. So what do we do in the delay? If you're taking notes, 
I'm just going to give you a few things briefly, then we're going to sing Good, Good Father again, and we're going to make some declarations. Are we good for that? So in the delay, first of all, trust. You have to stay in trust. And you say, how do I know if I'm in trust? Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth will speak. How do we trust? It's in our walk with him. It's in, it's in the presence. Let's go back to the whole worship thing that I've been harping on this morning. When I have a need facing me, when I'm in a delay, when I have a burden, when I have a health issue, a relationship issue, and it's, it's the burden of my heart, and I have faith, but I wake up in the morning, and I have, I have half an hour prayer time, and, and I'm, I just want to come in the presence of God and go, oh God, I just claim your promises. When I want to do that, it takes trust and belief in who he is to just come and go, my Father in heaven. Holy is your name. Worthy is your name. I know that you're faithful because your word declares it. I know that you're good because your word declares it. In fact, I was sitting uh, the other day in my house and I said, Lord, your word says that you measure the span of the entire universe between your, your, your pinky finger and your thumb. God just basically goes, there's everything that is. It takes faith just to go to a place of worship. And just say, Father, I worship you. Let your presence touch me. But as we walk with him that way, our belief in who he is, our belief in his character strengthens us. And we'll find ourselves being able to stay in trust more. I said, I said to uh, somebody the other day, I said to them, I said, you need to stay in trust. They said, I know. And I said, every time you want to start saying, I don't know how. I don't know when. I, I said, every time you want to say that, just say, God, I know you know how, and I know you when, and I just trust you in this. I said, just let your confession every time. And they said, I'll be saying it an awful lot. I said, that's good. Declare that. So first of all, in the delayed trust. Second, just allow your faith. You've been given the measure of faith to get through this, this situation. But faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You need to get into the word. Thirdly, you need to confess. You need to confess the word. Lord, even now, even now I know and I claim that your Holy Spirit is pursuing my prodigal. Even now there's a homesickness coming to their life that the things of this world are not filling up. And even now they're starting to long for life in the Father's house. Even now, even now, Lord God, I have to walk on that treadmill with all the old folk at the Y <laughs> instead of running on it. But even now, you're healing my knees. Even now, you're doing it. Thank you, Lord. Even now. So we confess the word. Then we can prophesy the promises. Speaking things as if they already are. Prophesy promises. By the way, we didn't see it much here, but guard against accusation. Mary and Martha both said to Jesus, if you had been here, it wouldn't have ended in death. It's a little bit of an accusation there. Thankfully, Jesus loved this family and in mercy raised Lazarus anyways. But prophesy. Jesus said to Ezekiel, prophesy dry bones. There's a time to pray and there's a time to prophesy. And if God has declared it in his word, his promises in his word, if he speaks to you from his word, a promise to apply to your life, don't pray about it, prophesy it. The Bible says that we are to be a kingdom of priests and prophets and ministers before the Lord. And so there's things as priests that we pray about. We lift up the burdens of earth as New Testament believers. We lift up uh, the, the burdens of our hearts. We stand in the gap between God and people, but we're also called prophets. 
And there's a time we just declare those things. So you declare that your prodigals aren't just coming to Jesus, but you make a declaration and you just say, God, I remember when they were 10 years old in Sunday school and they came to me and they said, Dad, Mom, I think God's calling me to do missions on the mission field. Then you don't just pray for them to be saved. You start to declare, I speak that missional. I speak that apostolic calling on their life in Jesus' name. I pray it will quicken them. I pray it will come alive in them because that's your purposes for them. So I speak that over them today, a missionary call on their life. People prophesied over me uh, and declared that I would stand up and preach the word of God and uh, I wasn't serving God. But people would just come and say, the call of God is on your life. You're going to preach the word of God. You're going to preach the word of God with power. And I'd be like, <laughs> I don't even want to be in church today. <laughs> My mom and dad made me. And I know what I'm going to do when I leave this place. Man, people would prophesy over me and not even know they were prophesying over me just because they spoke God's purposes over me. And we can do the same. Let's stand. So, in closing, what I want us to do is, regardless of what you're facing, I, I know there's people that are in a gap place. You're in a place of, of in the delay. You've been claiming. You've been believing. You've been asking God, partnering with him, prophesying. But you're in a delay. So we're just going to sing this song through once. Good, good Father. And we're just going to establish the goodness of God. So Holy Spirit, come and establish once and for all today in our hearts that you are good, that you love us, that every circumstance of our life is known intimately by you. That's why we Thank you so much for listening to our message. We hope that it blessed and encouraged you. If you liked what you heard, we would love for you to come join us on a Sunday morning here in Karana at 10 a.m. at 551 Murray Drive. If you'd like more information on who we are as a church and as a community, you can visit our website at parkway-church.com.